Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Hello, Otterites. This is episode 196. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis sitting in the captain's chair. Folks, a whole new era is upon us today. Can you tell the difference in our audio quality? Snakes and Otters has upped its game. That's exactly right. We're all we are here with a brand new mixing board. Robert is shall we call you Mr. Chekhov at the weapons console, perhaps? Ooh. Ooh. I that's not you'd like that. I don't know, Sulu. Uh, because you're directing and controlling. That's that's yeah, yeah, but yeah. if we need warp speed, we'll be Or asking. I could be Uhura because it's communications. You don't look But I'm not wearing the skirt. No, please don't wear the skirt. No, there are some things that cannot be unseen. Yeah, so this is a big change. Instead of me kind of being our producer director, I've handed that off to Robert today. He's sitting at the mixing board. That's right. We have purchased. Let's let's go ahead and give a shout out to where it's due. First of all, uh, our good friend, the Emperor, who has been a guest on the show several times, has introduced us to this, this equipment. He picked up his own... Uh, board as well. It's a Tascam Mixcast 4, mm-hmm. and it is designed specifically for what we're doing, podcasting. Exactly. And uh, so we got our own, and we are using it. You know, We've all got our own uh, XLR mics. XLR mics, which are a huge jump from... And I tell you what, just US sitting mics. here together listening over the headphones i'm excited exactly and in in the comfy chairs so we can do this long term without any discomfort right right so the audio will be much more even compared to what we've done in the past it'll be good quality uh you know the 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 mics are going to pick up what we speak into it so a lot of the background noise that we might hear in past episodes are probably not going to be an issue so that's right no toilet flushes anymore we hope that's right that's right no more wilson barking hopefully and We'll go from there. And, and or Annihilus at the toilet. We don't need yeah, that. Yeah, we don't need that. We don't need that. So we are gathered here today at Studio M and doing our first uh, try at this right here uh, in Nakatomi Plaza, uh, 30th floor, just down the hall from Ellis. Behind the waterfall. Behind the, the waterfall. waterfall. Okay, yeah. So I'm, I'm very pleased to have the fellas here. And, and just, this is very exciting. And to think how far the technology has come with yeah. something like this. I mean, we're doing basically what used to take a whole building to do. Right. A whole room to do. I mean, this is oh, going to be... I'm Roz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, yes. You're yes. George Martin. I mean, you're 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 everything here. This is... Yeah, I mean, this is... Yeah, this is the whole thing. And you really could record, uh, you know, musical instruments and everything. Yeah, which is what deal. it was originally designed for. Yeah, I mean, this thing... Well, this is specifically meant for, for, podcast, the, yeah. for the podcast, but yes, it could use... We could do musical instruments on yeah. it. I mean, you uh, absolutely could record an entire album on this deal. Yeah, uh, and yeah be, absolutely. And be amazing. So, um, and I, we're kind of playing around with microphones. Um, I've come across and acquired some almost antique. But hardly used. Hardly used. Yeah, brand new in the box, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they were still in the box. Uh, these are, uh, or this one that I'm using is a genuine Sony made in Japan 1987 uh, microphone. What's well, the same thing? It's I a Gen use. X microphone. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness! Wow. I mean, yes. technically, it would be a, a a Gen Y because of the the year on it, but it was used during the era of Gen X. So this is true. Yeah, it's, so uh, I, I would go with that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, we were juniors in college when this was assembled, and of course, you know, even in Japan, they don't assemble a lot of their own stuff anymore. Right. You know, it's offshored to Korea and China, so. Genuine made in Japan electronics. 
Man. The real thing, just like the original Walkman and everything. It's pretty amazing. Wow. So, yes, we've got a couple of these in use. And then uh, Robert has something else that he's bought. His is really high-end. Uh, it's not really. that. I mean, it's, you know, compared to uh, what one of those would go for today, they're probably comparable. Um, you know, I think I paid, because uh, I, I have two I'm trying out. Because mm-hmm. I, I haven't decided which one I'm going to like. I mean, whichever one I don't use, I'm going to send back. This one is a uh, Mayono. Mayono? I, I, I don't know. I can't pronounce it. Um, but it's got its own... Uh, it's ba- uh, it's a shock absorber, basically. So that the microphone, as you're moving it, doesn't bounce and you get a lot of noise. Yeah, because you touched your touched the, the, the stand and I couldn't hear it. Right, nothing. Because the microphone is cushioned in there. That's something. Uh, which is really nice. Um, Slicker than it's not on a doorknob, boy. Yes, yes. And so, you know, just trying out a couple different things. I got a gooseneck mic stand. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other guys have uh, boom arms. I've got a boom arm at home. Again, depending on which one I I decide I want to use. I'm really liking this gooseneck, though. Uh, It Uh, does. Yeah, it seems to be very efficient for you. Yeah. Well, it it doesn't take up as much space. Yeah. And it's because of the flexibility, and it's a lot stiffer than I thought it was going to be. And, of Mm -hmm. course, as we all know, the stiffer the better. I was wondering if we're going to go there. I I like the boom because I can swing it out away from me when I need to get up. Well. Really easily. And But, see, this it's not even really in the way. And if I want to, and you guys heard a little bit of that, and it's probably more because of the cable. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It was the cable rubbing the stand. Yeah. So, yeah, very quiet. Uh, which I'm very pleased with. Uh, I, I'm excited about this new yeah, era. This, yeah, really we, we have we have uh, crossed the Rubicon, gentlemen, and come yes. into the... Uh, know, nearly 200 episodes in, and we sound like professionals, finally. Finally, that's <laughs> right, that's right. Well, you know, of course, it is all about our content, of course. That's right. You know, that's we right. are, first and foremost, content creators. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, as it to swing us all back, uh, this is the... Uh, fourth and last of our uh, re- revolution uh, But you era. know... We were talking about we this. We were talking today. about this. Yeah. I think we might need to add uh, one or two more episodes about yeah. the revolution because we covered all the stuff before, and now we're doing the after. We, Other than a little bit of the audacity with uh, the campaign at Trenton and bringing the guns down from Ticonderoga, we haven't really covered much of the war itself. That's right. Yeah, we could do... Uh, we could really do a, a Courage-type episode where we discuss... <clears throat> Valley Forge. Valley Forge, yes. Saratoga. Saratoga. Uh, Yorktown, the final surrender. Yeah, that's right. There's, there are a lot of stories of bravery and uh, ability. Yes. Ability at Yorktown. Again, kind of this idea of a lot of the people were talented amateurs. Yes. I mean, Lafayette had some training in France. Well, and I think Lafayette, and, without having done a whole lot of deep re- reading on this, he brought the idea of more professionalism to yes. to the troops. Yes, and, and, and mm-hmm. you know Hamilton again, a talented amateur who really did not have a background in von Steuben as well. I mean, he's a freaking captain in the German yes. army, but yet he transformed everything. Uh, if it weren't for him, Washington would have not had the levels that, of professionalism that he had. Well, and I think the thing about Hamilton that's really I, I love Hamilton not because yes. of the musical, but because of his age. Yes. He's like, incredibly young. Yeah, he's a different generation than Washington. He's a son. He is a star. Yeah, he uh, is. You know, he, he really, uh, you see it in that Jeff Daniels Washington movie where uh, uh, he gets that first mini command to take out, take out that Hessian outpost. Uh, and I presume that is accurate from it what is, I understand yes, that, that it, is. it is. You know, that's his first real 
uh, chance to yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he does a great job at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he threatened to leave. I mean, he basically threatened to resign unless Washington actually gave him a real combat command. Right, because Washington didn't want to lose him. Well, it's, that's it's an not, honor thing. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't feel like he couldn't do it. He just uh, I he's just, too important. I depend on this kid too much. Yeah, uh, he was the, one of the primary aides to Washington, who he could really trust to make sure shit got done. Right, and that's the thing about him that is again just another feather in his cap. He could do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, became and of course, one of the most. I mean, he's on the ten dollar bill for goodness sakes. Right. Know? I mean, you know, for a reason. I mean, you know, right. uh, there's no telling what the country would look like if he had lived. Because uh, inf- his influence yeah, early was, you know, great. that might be a good what if for us to do. Oh, we've, you know, what, that'd be an interesting yeah, one. That'd be yeah. a very interesting one. What, yeah, if, what if Aaron Burr wasn't quite such a douchebag? Right. Well, well, perhaps we could go back in time and remove him <laughs> and well, see what happens. What if Aaron Burr had missed? What if you know? Yeah, right. Because yeah. I mean, that's the thought of in a lot of those duels. As long as you stood there, you were supposed, honor was served. Yeah, you were supposed to throw your shot, meaning basically kind of point at the ground. That's right, and and Burr didn't do that. Yeah, but he actually but, but, went for the kill. Yeah, Hamilton and, did. Yeah, Hamilton just kind of fired off to the side, and Burr actually tried and got a lucky shot. And of yep. course, at that time, any kind of bowel penetration meant you were toast. Right, agonizingly right. so. Yes. Um, so, yeah. but yeah, I mean, what what the Hamilton living. Um, and able to bring himself back into the government um, would have well, been incredible. Well, yeah, because would would Jefferson's presidency have even amounted to anything? Would Hamilton have succeeded him? Would I mean who uh, would he have been his opponent? I mean, there's all sorts of different ways. That I we think can go he about probably that. would have been his opponent. That's well, in, yeah, yeah, in they, 1800, they, and it it would have been really something. Yeah, because that's a. Uh, then who knows? Or well, maybe not eighteen hundred. No, no, eighteen o four. Eighteen o four. Yeah. Or he might have succeeded. He 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 versus Madison, perhaps. I mean, there's there's all sorts of prim, you know, which I mean, permutation. Well, that, that would have been. Yeah. Oh, I mean, at his age, he maybe he would have been Madison's vice president. Perhaps. You know, it, 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 there's no telling. I mean, the entire course no, they, of the... they did end up in opposition, though. Oh, did they? Is the issue because yeah, Madison stayed a uh, part of Jefferson's. Party. Okay, yeah, he was a, he was a Democrat, and, and Hamilton led Hamilton the right, 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 of course, the Federalists. Right. So, and, and by the time you get there, I think that's when they have, they kind of changed the idea of, well, the vice president's just who comes in second. Right. By then, it would have been different. And they yes. they started doing the ticket idea. Yeah. And running together. So, so anyway, that's awesome planning for down the road. We need to do a Hamilton episode separate. We need yes, to do a definitely a conduct of the war episode and talk about the bravery and some of the battles. So add that to the schedule, Robert. What I'm I'm the schedule keeper now too. <laughs> well, I mean, I was doing yeah. that and the producing and, and oh, everything. I see how it so, is. So yes. uh, if see. you're going to take over it. the producing, go ahead and take over the schedule. I see. I see. Now the scheduling is a joint effort. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it is. is. So just um, you know, you just generally took the 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 lead on that, which is fine. We've all edited the schedule. Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, when we went from the the four or five for a hoopajee week uh scheduled down to the two uh i did the rearranging on that so yeah yeah, yeah. So, we did and, a lot of before we ever went to trello i was i kept the whole darn thing yeah right exactly right so, so we yeah got... we've we've all had our hands in it so anyways we are doing what today what are we captain doing? oh yeah oh thank oh, you. captain my captain thank you thank you uh we are this is the little, end of, it's a little walt whitman reference yeah this is what happened afterwards? You know, basically the war is over. Uh, the Treaty of Paris is signed. We need to have a government. Uh, and 
this is a, actually a much longer discussion than you might imagine because they had, as we t- talked about in the show prep, they had been thinking about this, talking about this, writing about this long before the declaration was even considered. Yeah, as a real thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, these guys, Jefferson, Madison, Franklin, this is what they did. Hamilton, they they thought about what makes good government. Yeah, and and we've talked a lot about the roots of this uh, in many of our episodes here. Uh, essentially, you're talking about the philosophies of Locke and of Voltaire, uh, the the separation of church and state, uh, the human basic human rights, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, stem from that philosophical underpinning that had been spoken of but never put into practice yeah. and and keeping in mind the stew the the milieu that, knew, i knew he was going to say that i knew he was going to do that word boner yeah Actually, <laughs> yeah that is that is our, our one of our uh, our beautiful new soundboard has uh has uh pre-programmed sound effects put into it so yes we, so we have added a, a couple already and there will be more to come that's right so the, you know they're growing up with John Witherspoon again running uh, university of this Presbyterian guy running this university in New Jersey. He Madison's part of that group, even though he's a Virginian, he goes to school in New Jersey. Yeah, and and he's there's all these influences again uh, coming out of English Civil War and and all these disruptions in England over religion and everything. So there's this big stew that they're all in. And like you said, they're all huge peop, uh, study of Greek and, and Roman. So they're right. studying those governments. And the interesting thing is, and, and Francis, I don't want to get ahead of you. No, go ahead. Is what they came up with was really unique. They didn't really right. copy anybody else. Well, there are elements, because I was thinking right. about this. Yeah, it's, a, it's a polyglot in many ways. That's one of our favorite yeah, words. Yeah, that, that's a, a good way to put it. Um, snatching little bits of this and this and this. Some of it's reactionary, too. Yes, that's where I was going to go with yeah. that. A lot of the stuff that, that, I mean, we've talked about this before. What else are you going to get but a revolution when you take a bunch of malcontents and disaffected people and put them on a continent? Yeah. Right? You're going to get a revolution. And a lot of the elements of our uh, government that we ended up with are a result of that as a reaction against the evils that they had seen on the continent. Right, yeah. The, the entire concept of the, of the aristocracy was, was, was repugnant to yes. them because – Well, not entirely because well, – yeah, Remember. An aristocracy by birth, by birth instead of merit. Well, and but it's still a little bit of a mix because when you look at how yeah they did, didn't the, quite completely do away with it right because you know at first you basically had to be a, a property owner to vote mm-hmm. uh, now you know right and that, and and they wanted the property owners to shape where they were headed right so they were looking you know property would have been aristocracy by by birth yeah. uh, by, by default wealth. yeah 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 um, and so. Yeah, because they thought, well, first of all, those are the guys that are going to have the influence and the wealth and, and the, the smarts, the education. So there's a bit of that... that um, um, hubris? Word boner. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was going to say hubris, but I was looking also looking for... Uh, narcissism, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, thinking, you know, yes, we are the, the, the ones who are... Elitism, perhaps. Yes, it's a, a bit of an elitism. But they moderated it. Now, it's still allowed for and we're kind of getting away from what we had talked about because we were going to talk about originally governing during the war the articles of confederation and then the constitution we'll but, yeah i don't want to get back to that yeah it's important but when you look at 
the Senate, for instance. The Senate is obviously the parallel to the House of Lords. Right. But it wasn't a landed gentry kind of thing originally. It was you had to be appointed by the governor or whatever function your particular state decided. Well, it was usually decided by the legislature. Governor, leg- yeah, I think yeah. It was, there was a mix. But, yeah. but still, though, it was somebody appointing you. So if you had enough influence, which granted was going to be wealth of some kind, because that's, I mean, that's because if you're too busy, you know, uh, being a dirt farmer, you, you don't have time to make the connections to go off to the Senate in Washington, even for a couple of months a year, uh, which is what it would have been back then. So there's still that, that element of an aristocracy there, but it was never intended to be a permanent rotation by blood. Right. And that's what's important. Right. I mean, there were terms built into it, unlike the House of Lords, where once you go, you go. You're right. there. Yes, the Lords spiritual and temporal. I mean, it was I mean, the clergy was there. Right. I mean, that's that's right. Well, and, and that was common, you know, through the Holy Roman Empire, through well, Exactly. You know, France, and that's and that's one France, of the things one of the estates of of France was the clergy. The clergy, yes. Yeah, and, and that's one of the that's one of those things, and that's Voltaire. We're we're rebelling against that. We're not we're separation of church and state. It didn't have to be that way, but religious freedom was pretty much the uh, coin of the realm, shall we say, for most of the immigrants that came here. It was there was some aspect of that, uh, especially particularly those who held land and held power, is because they were disaffected religiously from England in yes. particular. Even though when they came came here, they basically did what they were leaving. Because you know, as we all know, you know, not only the Catholics who who were discriminated against, but other groups who were not part of the absolutely one, norm. Once the once the, you reach a tipping point of population, and people realize, oh, there's money to be made over there. Yeah. Uh, for example, in in Maryland, which was a haven for Catholics, along with Rhode Island, but you know, Maryland was much much bigger. Uh, many of my ancestors left Maryland after the war because those Protestants settled Virginia and across the river and the old hatreds came back. The old prejudices came back. There was much discrimination and even violence uh, right. in, the 17, in the 1780s. It really wasn't until the 20th century where the, the anti-Catholic bigotry was truly, I wouldn't say wiped out because there's still that. Still there, but yes. it would fade into the but background. But it would fade into the background. because yeah, I mean, And it would be seen as uh, radical fringe and wrong. Right. Right. Catholics right. Would, would come to be seen as Americans, not Romanists, <laughs> right? Know. I mean, pa- that, that they're citizens role, like any of, other. Yeah, papist yeah. was the uh, slur word that was used, uh, invented yeah. in England uh, during the time of Henry right. VIII, and, and yeah. it continued on. And I was called one once upon a time. See, Georgia. I use it. Yeah. I use it, uh, uh, you know, to refer to myself, uh, much the way some uh, groups use slurs to refer to themselves and they're the only ones that are allowed to right yeah yeah uh, the person that call, called me that did not realize what they what they were saying that's yeah. just their background so like i say it's still we're getting off on rabbit yes. hole again yes because right? i, I want to uh if it's okay to go ahead and swing back to the continental congress yeah uh, we want to talk a little bit about that because that essentially was the only government during the war Right. Uh, even and, though and the, the crown would contest that yeah. and say that they were still in charge yeah. and were in, to a certain degree. Right. So you, you have the rebellion. The rebellion is a success. So now what do you do? So they just they just carried forward the idea of the state governments and the Continental Congress. Yes. Which you know became officially 
not the Congress of the United States. It was called something else. But basically, you had that was the only organ. There wasn't really a separate judiciary. There was not an executive. Right. Someone would be elected president of the Continental Congress. Right. But not the same as being an executive. Uh, in fact, that person had very little influence and power. They were just meant to basically be the moderator of the yes. discussions and actually had to turn over leadership if the Congress met in the Committee of the Whole. Whoever was chair of the Committee of the Whole actually ran the thing. And and the president of the Continental Congress had to just kind of sit there. Yeah. And and the uh and the commanding general of the army was were subject to the Continental right. Congress. Yes, now this is something that has been part of the American tradition from the very beginning. Yeah. Yes. The military has always been subject to the civilians. Correct. Yes. Uh, and you know, I don't know if we are unique in this, but I would suspect that our near 200 and well more if you go back to the very beginning we are at 250 years of an uninterrupted military subject to the civilians i don't know that that's ever been beat probably not probably not maybe england but you know the king and the military were kind of synonymous so, uh, early on yes uh, so of course the flaw in this arrangement with the early continental congress and the early congress of the United States is they didn't really feel they had the power to do a whole lot. Correct. Because but, it's whatever the States said they could do. Yes. And yeah. even then it was like, well, we're going to ignore you. Well, yeah. And, and that's kind of the whole arrangement is that we so are at anathema with this centralized government issue. And this is a, a debate we've still, well, we still have even today. I think they wouldn't put it that way. No, they wouldn't. It's, they it's, would have put it at foreign rulers. They would have. Because remember, you know, up into the Civil War, the United States was a plural, not a singular right, statement. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was a form of autocracy is what they were rebelling against in many respects because England was seen monolithically as that. I mean, it's called the crown. That's what it's, yes. uh, yeah. uh, that's what it's all named. And they, they wanted that freedom to be widely disseminated. Therefore, the states, which was, not, as we've talked about many times, it was not easy to get them all to agree on a damn thing. Right. Yeah. And we've mentioned this, you know... Franklin encouraged unity, but their interests, their mercantile and trade interests, their economic interests was widely divergent. Yes, yes. yes. So, and that became the issue is basically revenue. Yes. How could the central government generate enough revenue to pay its expenses? Because they did try to assume central defense. Right. And of they, all the colonies. And well, that's an experience of the war because they recognize, well, we've got to do that because we can't do anything on our own when it comes to the you know foreign issues and things right. like that. Because if you knock out one colony, then it weakens all the others. Well, and if you and if you let one colony dominate, then that's all you have to do, you know to right. knock out. Uh, you know, yeah. who cares if you knock out Delaware or Rhode Island as far as you know. Having right. an but if but if every colony is responsible for its own defense through a militia, and you took over South Carolina, you substantially weaken. Yes, the or whole. Virginia, or if Virginia. you could do that. Yeah, yes. the, weaken the whole. So that became a repeated crisis. Really, the revenue, because they had made promises to the army during the revolution. Yes. Pensions and, and money. And again, we've, we've talked about the, that episode 
and and Washington basically calming down a military coup. Yes, that was the closest we'd ever come to a closest we ever came. You know, and there's some thoughts some of that might have been a little bit staged to make him look good, but shit, it was dangerous. I mean, it was was on the edge. Yeah, Horatio Gates was a a loose cannon, to say it. And And, uh, and so, you know, there was a possibility of, like you said, Gates or somebody going... We're marching on freaking Congress, and we're shooting all the congressmen that don't want to pay us. Right, and it was a real know, danger. And the only reason that that you know the uh, that we didn't have the same problem in the 1930s is because those guys didn't have gun when they created the Hoovervilles and marched on Washington. You know, because because it was a similar thing. You know, you had uh, not just those who were poor and destitute because of the depression, but there was a lot of veterans from world war one who had not been taken care of yeah. mixed in with that. Yeah. So yeah, it, that sort of thing where you'd think we would have learned our lesson. You take care of the men who secure your freedom. Well, we can see that today. And I think we, we can, can yes. but talk to, talk to any veterans sometimes and you know, they're not, well, still it's not, not perfect. No. Not, yeah. That's a, a vast understatement but, at times. You know, it was, it was, there was, in the Congress, there was a desire to fulfill the promises, but again, how? That's right. Yeah. Whereas the, this money just doesn't exist because they just did not have the central authority to uh, to get it. Right. The and full faith no one... and credit of the United States government means squat at this point. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was yeah. You know, not it's even not even a phrase they would recognize. So, you know, as they as they progress in this era, seventeen eighty five, eighty six. They're understanding this isn't working. Well, I think, yeah, I think, well, even before then, because, you know, we're, we're talking about during, because you're talking about the Articles of Confederation period. Right, right. So I'm talking, you know, 1783, you mentioned well, yeah, I, I think the Confe- Treaty of Paris. Yeah, but I think the Articles are put in place before that. Right, they are, right. yeah. But and that's just, important you know. that we, because I, I can tell you this, guys, when you hear this words Articles of Confederation, if you were to say this to so many people on the street, they think you're talking about the Confederacy. <laughs> Probably yeah, yes. I'm telling you that this is such a it's uh, it's almost a footnote in our in our history, but in many respects that's what the Confederacy was going back to. But you know what? They weren't though. Yeah. Well, they I were mean, far more like the Constitution. That's that's right. Yeah. Uh, than as a matter of fact, I, I I have to look, but my recollection is that their Constitution was almost the same as the the one they left, except it guaranteed slavery. Right. Well, right. but I think it did leave a little more, because the idea was to give the states back some of their. Well, jobs. yes, like I said and, almost, and it was almost the down. Well, not almost. It, it it substantially contributed to the downfall of the Confederacy that they couldn't get money. Yes, well, that's right, and that's you know the founding fathers thought all that ahead of time after this brief experience and fixed that. Well, they they uh, I think what. So what I want to talk about real quick. So I think we need to 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 draw a line from from the beginning. So when they they get together as the Continental Congress, which was kind of a dicey thing, because even at the beginning, when the, you know, not all of them participated. Right. Uh, and you know, the Canadians they didn't want to have anything to do with it at all because they were invited originally. Yeah. Because they were part of the British colonies, mm-hmm. and so you know, the whole idea was to get together to uh, figure out how to take care of the things that concerned all of them. You know, this is before mm-hmm. 
it was definite that there was going to be a rebellion because this is, I think 73 was the first one if I'm, or was it 74? Yeah. 73. Yeah. 73. Right. What do we do about all these things parliament's doing to us? Yes. Right. Yeah. It was more conceptual than it was uh, proclamatory. Well, it, yeah. I mean, I would probably, making proclamations was all they could do at the time. Right. And it wasn't until Lexington and Concord, that's another one, Lexington and Concord, that's one we should do. Yeah. Uh, that things became real as far as, oh. They're shooting us now. They're sh- well, we're shooting at each other, yeah. and that means we need to be able to manage this. And, you know, if there, and I forget the incident, but there was a time when, you know, Washington goes to the Congress and says, you know, you need to provide for us. And they basically they sit around with their in their hands and don't do squat, and he rides off and basically does what he needs to do anyways. Right. And I think this is probably something they look back on later and they realize, all right, yeah, we've got to do something better than that because yeah. nothing could get done. And I think that's what the Articles of Confederation was an attempt to do. It was. It yeah. was an attempt to strengthen it without creating the structures that could be corrupted into the monarchy because there was no real executive except as part of the congress right right and, and that's that's really the the nugget the kernel of the pre-constitution government it it really is only one branch yes it's a I mean, legislative branch trying to do everything which again is is a model they see it's what they've just emerged from yes is is you know trying to recreate parliament without all the the well, that's exactly it. They were bloodline BS. They were they were attempting to all those duties that had been filled by King and Parliament was now subsumed into this article, this right. this uh, legislative it, it, branch. Right. It was uh, it was it was no branch because you know, it's a, a thing. That's all it was. A, yeah, a twin of the House of Commons. Right. So trying to run everything. Out that's of that. true because there was no upper house. It was right. one house. Yeah, one Congress. Yeah. Because that's all we had during the 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 revolution. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it was not based on not population. Right. It was simply based on, you know, so the same amount for each colony. Each colony was equally represented. Right. So, it, it, so it, I don't recall because again, it's been a long time since I've looked at this. And again, as we all know, listeners, Robert does not do a whole lot of preparation for most <laughs> of the shows. I admit that. Uh, but it seems to me that, uh, you know, it's not a large number and they are not elected by the people. Correct. No, not at this time. Uh, well, I mean, yes, are yes, they? sort of, yeah, it, it's or is a, it a mix, or is it? It's an elective body. The, okay, the Congress at this time is an elective, is an elected. body. Okay, okay. Um, it, it's just again, it's trying to do every function. Right, right, right. So, and were there any national courts yet? Because that's the other thing that obviously no, that we have not, in the Constitution. No, okay, those, so they were all local at this. It was point. all state court, and which is part of the problem because there's also no single currency yet. That's, that, that's, that's one of the driving forces they recognize we've got to fix this. That's yeah, probably I mean, more again, than anything it, else. Stress that this this revolves around revenue. There basically is no national revenue to pay for the national obligations right. that the Congress is attempting to do. And I think if because we have deep thinkers, you know, deeper than anything we could possibly come up with today by far, uh, who are seeing the long-term ramifications of this. And one of the things that so, we have so seen... what you're saying is James Madison would never have shown up in the uh, Senate in a hoodie and shorts. Probably not. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Even if he was brain damaged, I don't think he would have. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> nice one. Nice one, Martin. Um, 
So I think one of the things that, that we see happen uh, as a consequence of the articles is that they can't manage foreign relations because there's no, there's nobody to, to, to say what it ought to be. Cause I mean, let's face it, the articles of confederation are nothing more than a huge committee and committees yes. can't get squat done. Yes. Yes. A, a, a cow is a horse. No, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Exactly. Exactly. And because of that, they realize, okay, we got to have somebody that's in charge that can set policies. We need to have a way to adjudicate conflicts between right. the states because there is no way to do that. And as we have seen in modern times, the best way to tie peoples together is through trade. But to do that, you need a common currency. Look at Europe. Yeah, They created the euro. Now, granted, you know the Brits have pulled out. But I bet you the euro is still used pretty well in in Great Britain, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know it may not be; they may be back on the pound, but I bet there's a lot of it's like us in Canada. You know, Americans go to Canada. Yes, Canada will accept our dollars. Matter of fact, most places will accept our dollars, but that's beside the point. You know, it. But tying the economic fortunes together is what binds a people more than anything else, and it helps unite those those. Dis- disparate right. interests that you guys were talking about because yeah. you know the south is better suited for or, or not necessarily better suited but it, it was created in a, such a way that it is dependent upon the plantations it's agrarian the, the, it is the entire totally, south is agrarian and not in time i mean there's gonna be some industry yeah, but not there, to it's the, a, well there's a limited number of ports just basically charleston savannah that kind of thing but it's it's based around agriculture and exporting those products yes Whereas the North is based more on a broader diversity. Well, of you've exports. got timber, you've got mining in Pennsylvania, you know, you've got and the shipbuilding, the shipbuilding, multiple ports, and so there's the, the interest, and, and in, this pops up over and over and over again, that depending on the actions of the central government, it can hurt one section or the other. Yes, and lead to a lot of dissatisfaction, and this, which is still true today. And it, I mean, it happened to Jefferson during yes. his presidency. Basically, they wanted to have these embargoes and stuff, and it it essentially set the northern states on a course towards separation because it it was very harmful to their economies. So, right, I mean this this whole article of confederation period again. You get post. War, you get into the 1780s, and it becomes obvious it's not working. Right, and it, it's, it's not, not something that takes a long time to recognize. And no, yeah, I mean, they, they so they start kicking around these ideas of, all right, well, we need to have um, a meeting. We need to have a conference to, at first, it was just to amend the Articles of Confederation. Yes. It wasn't to replace it. The, the initial meetings in Annapolis, Maryland, we're kind of under the cover of well, we're not we're not replacing this. We're just going to tinker. Well, yeah, that's e- easier to sell. So exactly, it was sold that way. But once they got there, once Franklin is there, once Madison's there, once Washington is there, it's like okay, we've got this very unique chance to remake this whole deal, and. And I, I continue to, whenever I think about it, be stunned by what they came up with. Because yeah. it was completely different. Mm-hmm. 7,000 words it, is the basis of our entire government. Yeah. It, it, 
That's not even the the opening paragraph of most bills nowadays. Yeah. It's just fascinating that with all this stew that they're that they've studied, and again, I stress so many of these guys, this is what they did their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Thought about what was going to make good government. And yes, they have these examples to pull from the Republic of Venice or the Roman Senate, the the Parliament. But they came up with something that's so incredibly unique. And this whole notion of we'll have three separate co-equal functions of the government. Right. Nobody's they, ever done that. They broke it down. What are the, the core functions of the government? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's to make laws, to execute the laws, and to settle disputes about the law. Yeah. yeah. To sure. have a check on what the legislature can do. Nobody'd ever done that. Well, nobody ever had a, a check on what the, the, the executive oh, could absolutely, do. Absolutely, really. because I mean Ryan I mean, of Kings, for God's sake. Yes, that I mean, you norm. know the Magna Carta started that that idea. And yeah. you know, certainly Parliament in Great Britain encroached on the power of the king, but it never really got broken uh, until well after this yeah. point. That's right, until yeah. it went became the constitutional monarchy that we know today. Right. Yeah. And, and, and just this whole notion of Power is so corrupting, we're going to have to split it and spread it out. Yeah. Which it's something they just like, wow, nobody's ever done that. It, 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 and it is, it's true. obvious looking at it 200 years well, later. Well, only in retrospect. Well, exactly. But, yeah. but the interesting thing is, yes, they made it so that one person could not uh, be so corrupt as to. Or organization spo- or party, even. To spoil everything for everybody else. Instead, what they've done is they've managed to corrupt an even larger number of people. <laughs> well, I mean, essentially that's what's well, happened. When corruption's equal, uh, you can still function. Yeah, it, it's yeah, factored out. It's not tyrannical if if we're all got our hands in somebody else's pocket. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know that I'd uh, agree with that. But, uh, I mean, what it's done, because it's a slow road, you know, it obviously I didn't create an automatic, you know, 535... Uh, right, corruption right. Uh, laden individuals, because uh, you know we didn't have 535 at first, <laughs> but it, it's a slow road to that, because each successive iteration, whether it be you know the first Congress, the second Congress, up to whatever we are on now, uh, uh, and through each presidential uh, administration, uh, they early on tried to to hold to the ideals that were set forth. And at some point, they gave that up. At least, you know, comes back every once in a while. Not very seriously. Not, yeah, I, I mean, mean not in, it might be more of a uh, of a uh, attempt, or not even that, just a, a catchphrase. I think it. I think it's a little bit of both. It's catchphrase with a, you know, yes, we should try to live up to to these ideals, but they don't always go back to the original ideals. And by those original ideals, I don't mean the, the Constitution the way it was uh, enforced originally, because I'm not talking about you know slavery, and I'm not talking about women person, can't have the vote. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the idea that you know we ordain this Constitution uh, in order to promote the public good, and yeah. the public good being what is the best for the most to ensure individual rights. Well, individual rights, but also uh, corporate responsibilities. 
Yes. Because they're both important. You have to you cannot have one without the other. Because corporate responsibilities cannot be um upheld, cannot be uh, you cannot be held responsible for, it, you know, unless you have the individual rights and freedom to be able to contribute to that. Otherwise, you're back to tyranny. Uh-oh. You know, every Someone time we get his, together his ringer for to his phone on. Yes, that was Robert. Every time we get together for come on. For uh, a um, There's usually a button that says decline there. It well she was FaceTiming. Hmm. So it, it, it's second daughter. Uh every time we get together, second daughter FaceTimes me, and I should know better. But anyways. Uh but you know, we what I was saying was that um, And you probably about the dog. Oh, I'm sure. It's not an emergency. It's almost certainly about how cute the dog is. Right, right. And he's damn cute. I mean, he really <laughs> is. I need to put some pictures of, of Nemo on the uh, on the blog. Because we've not been doing any We've updates. not been posting. Oh, I oh feel my awful about that. I know. Blog. I mean, you, even you, Martin, have not been yes, posting. Yes, I haven't posted since, I think, the beginning of April. So it's awful. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're all very lax in that. Uh, but to be fair, I, when I'm not completely burned... From work, you've been writing. I have been attempting to write. Um, I'm up to thirty six thousand words. Awesome. Um, You're almost halfway through. Yeah, and and I find myself, you know, anytime I'm by myself with my own thoughts, it's popping in my head. Like, oh, Excellent. I, that's that's. Oh, I good, need to have this. Oh, I need it. to have this that's scene. Right. I need to tweak this. Um, so. I guess I'm becoming a writer. It's it's in my head now. All excellent, the time. That's excellent, where the magic excellent. happens. So, uh, Captain, isn't it not a time? Yeah, to, I was uh, going to ask. A, yeah, let's yes. do a little. There we go. Very yes. nice. Our, our, excellent, our, our, excellent. Our new, uh, our new ice yes, clink. What our, uh, what our time was? Bourbon break. Bourbon, bourbon break. break. Exactly. Yes, yes, right. And you know, um, I don't. What is? What are we drinking, Martin? So this is Old Forester Statesman. Statesman. Something they produced, I think, as a tie-in to, what was the name of that film? Uh, the, the Kingsman. The Kingsman. Yeah. Yes, there's, a, there's one of the sequels of The Kingsman, I think, called Statesman or something. But anyway, right. it's, it's, it's a tie-in to the film. It is the most expensive bourbon I've ever bought for my own consumption. It is like a $52 to $55 bottle. So... Uh, the heart kind of, which I was kind of surprised stops that there for you a must have gotten uh, so like the Mictors you said you or the Monks Road you had said was the lower end that you gotten right the Monks the Mictors you must have gotten on sale because yes. that's generally fifty yeah. dollars or more uh, yeah it's usually I think about forty eight and I got it for forty two um, this is usually more like fifty six and I got it for fifty two uh, now I did buy an like an eighty dollar bottle of the Monks Road Fifth District as a gift for someone. Okay. Um, well, I'm offended because it didn't show up in my house. It wasn't mine either. <laughs> you know, well, a gift directed by Mrs. Martin somewhat for a, ah. a, a departing uh, person that we respected a great deal. Ah, well, that, that, uh, that's acceptable. You know, a fellow that was moving back to New York that uh, I think needed a little touch of Kentucky to go with him. Ah, we all need a little touch of Kentucky to take wherever we go. So, um, back to Old Forester Statesman. Good. It was 95 proof, right? 95 proof. Right. So a little bit higher proof. It's straight bourbon, which I think has like, there's like a definition to straight bourbon. There's no blending of whiskeys. There's no... Right. It's not bottled in bond or it's... Uh... So there's like a there's like a rule about uh, 
aging, I think, to go with straight bourbon. But uh, very rich flavor. From the very beginning. From the very beginning. Even, you know, without letting the ice yeah. melt to open it up, um, you know, it's still got a bit of a bite uh, at that point. It was very smooth. Very flavorful. Mellow. Yeah. Very, very flavorful, yeah. Very, uh, I kind of got uh, almost like a cacao dark chocolate flavor from it. So I'm now, very is there any Is there any rye in this bourbon at all? Um, it didn't taste like it to me. I, I, no, I would not. Uh, I I didn't it seems like at the end, after it's opened up, I'm getting a little bit of peppery uh, flavor we, on the mouth. You have to look up the mash bill to it and see what it is. Because they don't, it's one of the things I wish that, that all bourbons would do would be to just what, what grains go into the bourbon. You don't have to tell me the percentages. Just a hint of the mash bill. Yeah. Each one would be, would be super. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Old Forester Statesman, I'm very pleased. Um, it, I, I think it's, it's very fine. Yeah, no very sweetness, fine. hardly at all. It's, a, it's oh, a really? Very, See, I, I, I thought there's sweetness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not I, getting any of that. I got uh, from I got, the very beginning. Yeah, the, the, it's a cacao, but still sweet. Um, and a little later, I got a touch of the oakiness to it. So I really liked it. I, I'm very pleased. Um, Old Forester is one of our go-to's anyway. Yeah. It's so I mean, for, for brands, our, yeah. my relatively untrained palate. Uh, I don't know if it's worth fifty-two bucks, but I'm pleased with the flavor of it. It's it's good. It's not it's not an overwhelming ethanol kind of thing. To right. It. There's no medicinal. No. Some bourbons that are really good still have a bit of that medicinal before the ice opens yeah. it up. Yeah. It melts and opens it up a bit, uh, which is to me is one of the most amazing things about bourbon is that transformation from that medicinal, like that uh, Jim Beam Black. That we mm-hmm. tried that was very medicinal when it was straight, yeah, neat, but neat. Uh, but when we added the ice and opened it up, it really it changed the 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 flavor and the just the makeup of, of yeah. what you're. The getting. The more we do this, the more we're starting to become, by no means experts, but slightly more knowledgeable. We're recognizing that it's intended to be served over ice, a melting ice. That's, I don't know that all of them are, but uh, the vast majority common, that we've tried common, has yeah. have been best over ice, yeah, in my opinion. I would say that's uh, and it also depends on what what you're going for. If you're going for that sharp uh, burn, as we call it, that bite, then no, the ice is is not necessary. Because some people they like they prefer that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Angel's Envy is a good one that has that that you know you don't necessarily have to have it on ice to have a really good experience with it because it has that long Kentucky hug down the throat and into the chest where it just yeah. That's where the warmth hits you. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done Angel's Envy on the show, have we? We have not. Uh, we uh, we stole some of Mrs. Uh, Francis's uh, early on in one of our episodes, and the winds that blew over that because <laughs> we didn't yes have, we we, we yes, finished at least off at a your bottle. House, that's right. Yeah, we are not allowed. We're to not touch allowed that. to touch Mrs. Francis's bourbon. That's correct. Yes. That's uh, hers, which is fair. Absolutely, is fair. totally fair. Uh, and of course, the bourbon collection has grown a lot since yes. those early days when we started doing it. That's the only thing we had on the house when we started doing this was an Angel's Envy, and we polished off one afternoon gentlemen uh and uh yeah she was she was as uh, in her perfect queen victoria imitation she was not amused amused. yes yes uh one thing that i would note is that uh, so uh our our good friend uh down in uh, the holy land we uh we went down for his mother's funeral Mm -hmm. um, several weeks ago and uh he very graciously opened up a bottle of bookers yeah and this was in 
he'll have to tell us exactly which one because it's not the standard Booker T's, it's the higher end Booker's. Yes, which... In, in, in the wooden box, uh, there's a specific name for it. I wish I'd have written it down. It's it's the $100, 100 yeah. plus dollar box. His willingness to share... Yes, it was excellent. Is yeah. phenomenal. Well, yeah. Bourbon is always best when shared. Yes, a- yes. absolutely. And I mean, that was just that like was, when ga is always best when served cold. Cold. Yes, absolutely. Live, 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 live. live. Come on. live. Yes, yes. Ga yes, is always best when served live. That's right. But uh, that Booker's was just phenomenal. Like this Statesman, uh-huh. it has that uh, wonderful explosion of flavor from the explosion very beginning. Is a very good word. Yes, um, but still had the bite. But that Booker's after it was opened up, oh yeah, my gosh! Really, yeah, we I had mean, we even had blew a, away the Statesman here. This yeah. is so smooth and just—it's a very mellow sipper. It's really nice. It is, yeah. I had sipped almost all of mine away just while we were recording earlier, uh, you know, in the episode without even realizing it because it was so smooth. Yeah, you can easily. Eat. I mean, I, I haven't, but it's uh, it, it's so much different now that the ice has melted. It's still cold. The, the direct the glass is. And it was very different than when you first poured it, because I took a few drinks, a few sips, right when we dropped the ice in there, and yes, it's I like vastly the different, vastly different. But, but they're was, both good. They're both good. good. That's correct. The through, you're not, you don't have to wait for the ice to melt to make it tolerable. Right, and, and that's one of the great things about so this is, well, yeah, it's the proof is that because I mean, remember when we did the old Forester Prohibition style? To do that without melted ice would be whoa, because 120 proof. It's uh, right that hit you. Yeah, yes. that one. That was probably the most potent. Yeah. And to be fair, the Booker's kind of hit you in the same way, but it was it was such a good flavor it, it as well. Was, Just uh, 100. It, it was over 100 proof. I yeah, think. I don't think it was like 122. I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it was. It was. Which we didn't stuff. realize at that'll, first. That'll put hair in your nipples. Yeah, it will. Uh, I had to shave when I went home. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things we can't unsee, gentlemen. Let's listen. <laughs> Skip a it bit, is. brother. Let's so let's get back. Let's get back to the. So we're really at the point where I think we should talk about the Constitution itself. Exactly because can, uh, can I do one more note. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. I just mentioned very, very soon the start of another season of Kentucky Shakespeare in Central Park. Oh, yes, Maverick oh, starts this weekend. It yes, does this tonight. Weekend is the comedy play. What, what Midsummer. Midsummer Night's, Night's Dream. Dream. I was in that in high oh, school. In high yes, school. Yeah. and very soon. Macbeth. That's right, the Scottish yes, play. Because yes. there's, remember, if it ain't Scottish, it's it, crap. It's crap. And what's right. the other one they're doing? The because uh, there's a third, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, uh, and and that's not the regular players. That's usually the kind of the younger. Players, um, it's you know. um, Love's Labor's Lost. Yes, Love's Labor's Lost. What, yeah. But, uh, as much as I would love to see them all, Macbeth is a must. Yes, that is correct. We yeah, it's and have to go to Macbeth. Yeah, and you know, I I think I've seen Macbeth probably four times. That, that they they do it fairly regularly. Yes, it, and, it wasn't that long ago. It seems that it was done. Well, yes. and the very first one I ever saw, and this was in 1991, I believe, was Macbeth. It's my first experience with live Shakespeare, and it was like transformative. It's just amazing that what they've done with that. Of course, it's a meaty play to begin with. And they're going to stage it traditionally Scottish. They're not going to do like an adaptation of... Oh, good. Like... It's very rare. Dictatorship. I mean, that can work. I mean, I don't... Yeah, but they did that once, and that was... I've seen that one. I've seen this futuristic, uh, dystopian future type version they did at one point, which was okay, but it's... I like my Shakespeare to be done... The way Shakespeare did it. You've not experienced Shakespeare until you've read it in the original Klingon. Exactly. I mean, I don't have to have dudes playing the chicks, but I like it to be set uh, in the period, in the attempt. really, really, really good. Because yeah. Because the, uh, the, 
the cast right now is very strong. Yes, that's true. We've got. I mean, they've always been great. Trust me, the the folks. But the that regulars they have in these past uh, few years, they've some some really great. Right yes. now, they've they've had had a few people moving on and off, and I'm I'm very excited to see who will play Lady Macbeth. Well, I'm sure it's available online to know who it is, but they have several very good actresses right now. Yes. in the company. And so I'm sure the it's, the it's probably the greatest really female part uh, I would say uh, better than Ophelia uh, and uh, better than just about any others uh, is is Lady Macbeth. Yeah. It's probably the most challenging. And you mentioned Ophelia. Uh, yes. It's also heap praise upon the Shakespeare Festival because they did a seven actor abbreviated Hamlet in. Yeah, you uh, saw that in the city you? parks. Yeah, you know, they always do yes. during the early spring before the. Not always. This is a relatively new thing. Yeah, you know, the last yeah. four or five years. Right, Something right. Like so they they do a tour of the parks, taking a an abridged version of one of the plays, and to take Hamlet and do it, you yeah, know, it's weekend a bloody after four, weekend after weekend. It's a bloody four hour play unabridged, yeah. and, and, and do well, it. I don't think anybody does it unabridged anymore. Well, Kenneth Branagh did, but beyond that, no. Yeah. So this was like a little ninety-minute seven actor, and wow, is it fun! Just you know, on the, in in a city park in just an open space uh, with yeah. limited props, limited stage, and everybody just brings a chair. Uh, it was amazing. So heap more praise on uh, that Kentucky Shakes. Yeah. Uh, is what they call you know is the. The, yeah. the common term now is it Kentucky Sh- KYShakes.org or is it KY, KY I Shakespeare? I think it's KYShakespeare.com, maybe. I think or, it's, or it's, .org. One yeah, it's .com or .org. Just Google Kentucky Shakespeare Festival. You'll yeah. find it. Yeah. It is uh, basically the longest running mm-hmm. in the United States. United States. Yeah, yeah this certainly. This is yes. 60 plus seasons. Is yeah, what, what and it's continuous. There are no gaps in that. Yeah. Uh, now, there was a time when it got very threadbare. Uh, in the '90s, late '90s, early 2000s, uh-huh. uh, I think it was you know where it was tough to even get two two plays, and now they're doing stuff. Not, I mean, they're doing three during the summer, doing doing stuff in the fall, they're doing stuff in the spring. Well, the new executive director, Matt Wallace, is yeah, just Matt Wallace, fantastic has, at what he does. Really, and, and he has he, he saved Shakespeare in the Park, and, and they've redone the stage. Yes, they the do. stage is they do that periodically, uh, but this is really a fantastic way they're doing it. And they have yeah. a they actually have a permanent uh, residence uh, shop front if you want behind there that they have the ability to perform in and me and my eldest daughter went and saw Henry the Sixth inside it's very similar to what you're talking about you have like maybe eight actors that are playing the multiple parts and they squished all three of the Henry the Sixth plays parts one part two and part three into one performance wow and since it was indoors I was as we walked in and uh, my, my daughter actually bought me a bourbon by the way she went and paid for it herself amazing while uh, she's first doing or second First daughter, yeah. First daughter. Uh, and I'm sitting there talking to Matt Wallace. I says, how the heck did you do this? <laughs> to, to take these in oh, this... you've got a chance to... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, have to, I, I usually talk to him at least briefly every season at some point. And I said, how did you come up with Henry VI, the place that nobody ever performs and yet are so essential to the one that everybody performs, Richard III? Uh, and he says, well, it was done in Nashville and we just, you know... Uh, Got the rights to, to to their version, and that's what we're working on. And he says it's and having having they had to get it, the rights to that. Well, because it's a it's a rescripting. Apparently, that 
uh, that's what he said. You know, that, interesting. Yeah, because the, I mean, obviously, it's in the public domain. Yeah, the the source material is, but this version of it apparently. I I'm, think if they don't change the lines, you could cut it however you want. Good question. I didn't bother to ask the question, but it's. I was thinking the very same thing. I said, "How do you do that?" But I think it may have been something more like permission necessarily than rights. Uh, but anyway, they uh, they did a fantastic performance in about two hours internally. Uh, inside their inside their inside space, nice. and it was nice. it was a fantastic because those are some of my favorite plays. But again, I've never even seen them until now, and even though even though I've never seen the full versions of them, uh, you don't miss much. You really don't. They, they I would think not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you could. They squish it. But I mean, it covers a long period of time. We're not we're going down a rabbit hole, gentlemen. Dad, yeah, I mean, Henry the Sixth is a big deal. It's so. Martin's fault. <laughs> yes, it is. So what is our time looking like, Robert? Uh, we are at 56 minutes. Well, so. let's, let's wrap this bad boy up here, yeah. gentlemen. Well, I don't want to give short shrift to the Constitution, though, because it is incredibly important to talk yeah. about not just the process, but I think the ramifications. Well, go ahead. Go well, for it. Okay, fine. Uh, so as, as, as we've already talked about, it is a unique document. It is short. It is to the point, And it lays out all of the principles that the rest of our government has been built on in the last 225 years. And that is just, to me, it's just a phenomenal achievement because it's, it lays out all of the functions of government at the highest level. Yeah. In many ways, this is very much a Roman law approach. Uh, We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. You set the ideal. This is how things should be. And then you go from there. Now, obviously, we almost never really hit the ideal anymore as far as how government should well, work. We're, the English common tradition of precedent still rules the yes, day. Yes, pre- precedent is not a bad thing right. until it becomes calcified. Ooh, ooh, press ooh. the button. Word boner. There you go. That's right, because that's a very good word, yes. And thank you, thank you. And... Yet that that beginning, you know, the fact that they were had the foresight to create a method, not just one, but two, two methods of amending the Constitution, that is a phenomenal thing. You know, it could be a, a constitutional convention called by the states, or it could be, which is a very dangerous thing. Nobody ever really wants to mess with that. Right. But otherwise we can we can you know, run an amendment through Congress and then have the three quarters of the states approve it. Mm-hmm. And it's a bloodless way of fixing what is wrong or what needs to be corrected. Or ad- simply adapting for new circumstances and issues. Yes, That's yes. Right. That, I mean, that was the intention. They didn't feel that you had to monkey with what they had created most of the times. Right, right. and we haven't. 27 right. changes. That was that was the goal. It really was for Bannison and Hamilton and all that was... No, this this is not going to be something we fool with all the time. Yeah, we don't amend ourselves out of it. Oh, with one exception, of course, the prohibition, uh, which you know you mend yourself in and you amend yourself out. out. Yes, yes, you you make the argument there are twenty five effective changes. Yeah, yeah because yeah. The, none of those others have you know there's only one re- repeal. Right, done. and it was of itself of, a, of an amendment. So it, that alone, you know, you have to give them props for, but. Using that mechanism, they did what is probably the most important yeah. thing, and that's the Bill of Rights. Yeah. I was going to hope you were going to go there because it wasn't a fait accompli when that first came out. No, as a matter of fact, that was holding it up. Yeah, it's because, and that was Madison, you know, and Madison, straight out. I mean, he kind of pulled a Pelosi. It was we got to pass the bill to see what's in it. You're right, right. 
but that was the, the idea is go ahead and pass it and then I'll add these Bill of Rights things at the right. end. Let's and not get we don't want to derail the approval process based on these Right, but it was also done with the understanding that yes, we will address these twelve because there were twelve yeah, issues there originally. Were twelve. They were gonna address them and Madison promised to do it. And but he said let's pass it first because we don't want to get where we're bogged down in these the wording of these pieces right and not pass because we can't keep going on the way we are we we've got to fix that so and 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 again this this idea of limiting checking the power they were granting themselves right that was the ultimate point well and but there's two there's two ways they've done and this is what i think is so beautiful they've not only in the among the institutions of government created the checks and balances but with the amendments with the bill of rights they have checked the power of the government against the people. Mm-hmm. Because in the Constitution itself, they've checked the power of the government within the government. Right. So that each branch basically can say, uh, no, you can't do that. No one can assume full, right. full because, executive again, the, power. The, the idea of, a, of an independent judiciary power. saying, no legislature, you can't do that, it is on its own, just by itself. And an really, incredible groundbreaking idea that nobody had ever done. It, it is, but also that's something that really wasn't even fully understood until the Supreme Court asserted itself. Asserted itself. Yeah, Marbury versus Madison. Exactly, and that was something that was a not just a watershed moment, but something that was kind of a dicey thing to to do. Yeah, because people weren't sure that that was something that was allowed. And yeah, they accepted it once it was done. Right, because it, essentially the Supreme Court has no enforcement power of its own. It depends. Right, on the as Stalin court. once said, "How many divisions does the Pope have?" That's right. You know, it's it's the kind of thing where you know the you're right. Just, well, it's also the the recognition that all government is really at the consent of the people. Now, sometimes the people give from their... a mandate from the masses, not some wild aquatic ceremony? Yes. Not some, some watery tart hurling scimitars. That's right. But exactly. Though. I mean, even, in, even in a communist country, in the worst of the dictatorships of the, the 20th century, the people, granted at the point of a bayonet or a gun still have to give their consent. At some point, it becomes so intolerable that they will overthrow the tyrant at great bloody cost. But it's always with the consent. As soon as we stop agreeing... And for the 1780s, this is an earth-shattering notion. Yes. That power derives from the people. Right. Not from God. Not from God. Not from just because I was born to the guy that had this job last. Right. It, it is totally groundbreaking and, 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 as you said, earth-shattering. That's true. Well, and, and, we'll, and we will talk in other episodes cause, uh, about how that changed the face of Europe in many ways. Because yes. we were, uh, Mar- um, Robert and I were talking yesterday about how we've got lots of European history that we need to cover. And this is one of those things that changed everything over there. It uh, really did. Yeah, it was. Uh, we'd uh, been starting so- with France, obviously. Yes. Uh, now, yeah, it didn't necessarily change for the better, not initially. No, no. Uh, because they didn't listen to Lafayette. Pretty much. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting to read how he tried, you know, but there was just so much anger. Well, yes. Yeah, and class warfare was, you know, the gnome, dip, you know. If the king had lived here in the colonies, it might have gone that way too. 
but because we were colonies breaking away rather than so really yeah. it, it's you it, the question is do you really call it a revolution or do you call it a rebellion because on the one hand yes they were british citizens that rebelled against the king but on the other hand they were looking for independence not to overthrow the king. Right. This was not all of the revolutions in Europe were to overthrow the monarchy. This was not Oliver Cromwell versus Charles I. Right. Which was that's the only- another thing that makes us unique yeah. is that we didn't go looking for revenge as soon as the war was over and won. And I think that's probably the one thing that is what more almost more than anything else, as far as a foundational point made our revolution successful. We just wanted to be left alone and figure it out ourselves. And, right. And, and we were we basically did. telling George III to get off our freaking lawn. Very <laughs> good, very good. That's right. Yeah. Um, Maybe Martin should have said that because that's just... That's just it is, yeah. But, yeah, I came up with it. So. Hey, you syphilitic king, get off my lawn. Thank you, thank you. That's good. Yes. That's good. Syphilitic. That's uh, we good may too. have to record that for a button. <laughs> I think that deserves a button push. Yeah, that, there. Yeah, that's yeah, a button worthy. Yes. Well, not right now because that takes a little bit of effort to. to well, no, but oh, syphilitic. Syphilitic, oh, syphilitic. Syphilitic. Syphilitic deserves the push. A, the button. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, word that's a word boner. boner. Yeah, exactly. Word that's boner. that's a very Sorry. good one. Yeah. Syphilitic word boner. Yes. I don't know that I want to associate word boner with syphilitic. That's that sounds really bad. That sounds painful. Yeah, oh God! Please skip a bit, brother. Let's... Uh, but anyways, this whole idea though that that you know we didn't seek revenge, that we didn't turn in on ourselves. Uh, is because the guy we rebelled against wasn't there. So, you know, it's not like um, the circumstances were just so unique. And, you know, whether you want to call that the providence of God or, you know, pure dumbass luck, I don't know. Perhaps a little bit of both. Perhaps a little bit of both. But again, there there were people that understood that kind of thing is destructive right but that's the thing though they wanted they wanted to find a way to have good government that respected the rights of the people even the people who didn't join them in this rebellion well and that's probably so there's a couple of things i think that that when i talk about what makes this unique and what helps us form a government that works and that is that um really you can make the argument that the revolution was not a just war uh, from the Catholic per- just war perspective because we were not an oppressed people, right? Now, well, we not we were. Well, well, you know, when you talk about oppression... Uh, there's, there's degrees, yeah. Yes, well, and the degree was very light compared to most when, when you talk yeah. about this sort of thing. And... Was a war the the commensurate response? Yeah. Now I'm not saying that. Well, but I'm happy. Wasn't necessarily up to us. Britain could have just said, "Well, all right, guys, we're yes, not gonna, we're it, not going to send troops." It takes over there two to, to go to this. war. Yeah, yeah, it takes two to tango. So, at our Declaration of Independence, we could have said, "Hey, we won't fight you if you don't fight us." Yeah, but you know what? That was never not going to happen. No, yeah, right. I mean, so there was no negotiating before the war. Right. Well, it, no, there was any... there was an attempt. There yeah, was an but, attempt. Yeah. there I were mean, attempts, they're... but they tried to get England to to recognize the rights of the Americans as British citizens. Yeah. But the the lords did not want to share power. Yeah. They were never going to create aristocrats here in the colonies. So, you know. Yeah, there was a level of oppression, but what we recognize as oppression today 
it was very low on yeah, the I mean, scale. Yeah, I mean, you can do industrial oppression today that you couldn't really do then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things that have gone on since then that really, but my point is though, there was no, because of that, no need for revenge, because there wasn't that real kind, you know, we weren't going to go to England to, to kick George's ass. We kicked him here. We didn't have to go there. Yeah, we achieved what we needed to. We, we achieved what we needed to. Whereas in, in France, you know, it wasn't just about throwing over the king. It was about killing him. It was about getting revenge. When you look at the Russian Revolution, it wasn't just about getting Alexander off of the throne. Nicholas. Or Nicholas, sorry. Um, it was about getting revenge for the serfs. Uh, you know, it was, it, which is, again, this is something totally different well, for us. Yeah, and, and that whole, that whole mindset is about destruction yes. and violence. I mean, I always maintain We were this. looking to build, not destroy. Right, and Marxism is always about destruction. Yes. It's always about envy and about destroying those who are there now. It's a deconstructionist philosophy to begin with. Yes. So yes, it, it will always be about that. But you know, even where it's not a Marxist res- revolution, you know, they've always been bloody beyond winning the war, always. Yeah. Because uh, you look at our, look at our civil war. If the South had won, it would have been looked on looked on as a revolution, not a rebellion. Uh, at least from the Southern side. Yeah. Uh, and it would the have winners. Had, winners write the history. Winners write the history. Uh, but unless they conquered the North, which they were never going to do, they would all, the best they could have done would, would be to achieve independence. But there would have been a lot of animosity and a lot of border skirmishing for years and to come. That was the fear. And again, rabbit hole. That was the huge fear of Grant and Sherman. Yes. That if you accept an armistice of some sort and actually divide the country, the war's not going to end. People right. thought it would. That, that was the that peace drive and the copperheads and all that kind of thing in the north of, well, why don't we just let them go and end the war? Grant and Sherman knew the war would not end, even if you let them. There, there would just be this continued friction. The drive for the West, etc., would just destroy us all again. Well, right. indeed, that's what uh, that's what happened be... anyway. Even though they lost, yeah, it still didn't end. They just simply tried to use other means to yeah. overthrow the, right. the victory. Well, and again, so the, tying it back to the Constitution, they built these methods in to help try and negotiate the differences that were going to yeah. come up. That is a foresight that is it's breathtaking in my opinion. Yes. Because they didn't just say, all right, here's the government, go do it. They recognized we're going to disagree. How do we manage those disagreements so that we don't have another revolution or we don't have civil wars? Which happened anyway. Which happened anyways because... There is an original sin. Thank you for using that word. Yeah, there was a fatal flaw that was part of that. It wasn't a fatal flaw. It wasn't fatal, but it is an original sin. And and I recognize as much praise as we have heaped upon this. Yes, the compromise to get the South to go along is an original sin. It is. And the bloodletting of the Civil War is the crucifixion that is supposed to have Ooh, healed it. Nice. It's not quite a word boner, but it's yeah, a ter- good turn of phrase. That's it's, very good, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is meant in that vein. It mm-hmm. is meant to be, what's the right word? Crystal- uh, Crystallogical? Crystallogical. Yeah, yeah there we go. We can use that. Word boner. I don't know if that's really appropriate, but... Yeah. 
it's it's that appropriate turn of phrase uh, that um, yeah metaphor. You could make the argument that metaphor. Yeah, we would have gone. We were either going to be a union with slavery to begin, or we were not going to be a union at all. Yes, the South I mean, was the, never going. The whole or thing could have fell, fallen apart right there. Right, yeah. or it would have been the North and the South from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, it definitely this continent could have fallen apart into a continent of squabbling nationalities, the same as Europe. Yes, we very quick, very, very easily. Yeah, could have yeah. become Europe because regardless. you have to remember there's there's a huge prize west of the Alleghenies at this time. That's true. Uh, everything over to the, to the Mississippi, because you know, obviously, the, the Louisiana Purchase could never have been made. So maybe war with France would have been in our future, and war with each other to try to claim these lands. Yes, definitely would have happened. Absolutely, definitely would have happened. And those states that did not border the West, what was the West at the time, they would have been out of they left out entirely. That's right. right. So, like oh, New yeah. York, a very powerful state, would have had absolutely no direct contact with what the rest of the states, you know, Pennsylvania, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, those are the ones that would, uh, would have been expanding into the West, leaving the others locked on the seaboard. And so, yes, there, there would have been war in our future, multiple wars. Almost continuous. Almost continuous. Uh, yes. Competition in a warfare to move West. So, as can much you, as it pains me to this say, continent being all broken up into the same—not thing just that, fifty individual states, probably more than that—but all fighting constantly. Yeah, all you know, six, seven, eight, twelve countries, just like Europe, with constant warfare, and we saw how destructive that is in the twentieth century. Once you get to World War II, can you imagine? You know, three continental powers here in the on this continent developing. Nuclear Atomic weapons, weapon. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, so talk about you know destroying the whole planet. Now, obviously, that's not something that the you know, nuclear warfare that the the founders would have considered, but they probably would have thought if we don't unite them, we'll never be at peace. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, that's of fair. some kind. Totally fair. You know, yes. whether it be economic strife, which is probably the best they could have hoped for, or outright warfare. Because the interests yeah. were so diverse. I, I think Franklin saw that for sure. At least Franklin, and, and that belief would have spread out. And because of that, as horrible as it is, that what they call the now the three-fifths compromise, and it doesn't mean that they counted a slave, a black man, as three-fifths, worth only three-fifths of a white man. It just meant for purposes of population count. That was the intent. Now, probably people took that, and perverted it because let's face it, slave owners are assholes. Right. Well, it, it was. But yeah, it was, it, in, was, it was intended as how you count the population, and they and for that one purpose of the lower house of Congress, the numbers yes. to try to make the southern numbers balance. more balanced with northern numbers, because it was the only way they were going to join. Right. They wanted the slaves to be counted as population, but not as citizens. Yeah. And that's where the North drew the line. Because yeah. there really wasn't, I think, a huge abolitionist movement in the North yet. No, not Although that there was talk there, of a... Right, of, right. I mean, that's and that's the point. Yeah, it is, was yes. there. The like, if you're going to count them, they're going to vote. And the South was like, no, no, they're not going to vote. If right. you're going to count them, they're going to vote. 
Well, how about if we count them as only three-fifths? Yeah, and I'm sure that number was bandied about and, and negotiated. Yeah. And what that did was it balanced the power. Because if you because when you include the slaves, that made a small number of large geographic states uh, equ- nearly equivalent yeah. to the more populous states in the north. Yeah. And so that was not acceptable either because of the the evil is what some in the north not all but some in the north saw as the evil of slavery mm-hmm. as much as we despise that compromise there would have been no union without it and, i, and I the, hate to call it a necessary evil the compromise not slavery the compromise yes, that's right but you know you but might again yeah as we said i mean without the compromise this whole thing falls apart. It, it really does. does. The Articles of Confederation were not sustainable. No. And so even if the Constitutional Convention fails and they don't come to an agreement and none of this passes, by 1805, the whole place is going to spin apart. It well, really know, is. You know it's what's interesting? Apart. What I find interesting about um, the difference between the, the Articles and the uh, Constitution, the Articles of Confederation call it a perpetual union. Yes, I was hoping we were going to bring that up because that's, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Because it was viewed as something they could leave at any time, but it was a supposed to be a perpetual binding union. Yet the constitution makes no mention of that. Later on we make the presumption, yeah, that you can't really leave. Yeah. Well, but, that's, and that that's hey, a, that's a southern compromise too. They wanted yeah. that ability to see secede, secede. Yes, and it's always starts in South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, sure. you know, but it, I mean, you're right. Perpetual union meant nothing because if they wanted to break it up, they would have. Yeah, because what were the it, ramifications? It was yeah, yeah, exactly. There were no ramifications. There, yeah, but they were really doing this. They were sticking together voluntarily. Primarily because the main leadership wanted them to. Right. And once that generation would have passed out of power, they they would have split apart. It would yeah. have all fallen apart. I think apart. I think that's a fair uh, fair statement to make and be supportive. Which, which elevates the uh, I hate to use the idolatry, but it's not that far off that we hold for those founding fathers that much more legitimate. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the I, I more think less... you the more you study Hamilton, Madison, Washington, uh, Jefferson, Jefferson, Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, Fra- Franklin, Franklin. I think Franklin. is the. It's just like Patrick uh, uh, Payne, uh, not Patrick Thomas Payne. Thomas Payne. Thomas Payne. Yeah, it's Patrick. Like, Henry, yeah. yeah. Wow, these guys are even more than we give them credit for. It's and incredible what I they. I think the thought leader. In many respects, I think that Franklin deserves the oh, ult- yes. if you if you had to choose one, philosophically speaking, that it's made Franklin. things happen. It, he's the grandfather of all this. Which is a shame that the the his his public image has turned into a buffoon. But he you're right, he does not get the credit. He does not get the credit that he should for working with Jefferson and who was the third guy writing the declaration. Jefferson didn't write that on his own. Was it Randolph? Might be, might be. It was a committee of three. Jefferson just did the final draft. They right. all worked on that together. It was not Jefferson's only, yeah. Uh, yeah. his only his input. Right. And then Franklin moves from that into the Constitutional Convention too. Yeah, well, as and, senior and, statesman, and yeah. he has a gravitas about him at this point. He and Washington both do. And, yeah, and they're in. In, Their imprint is what is in, exactly. What's, what's the right word? Imprimatur. Imprimatur. Yes. Yes. Imprimatur. Yes. Yeah, imprimatur. Yes. Word boner. 
Yes, we were getting a lot of mileage. Yes, we are going to get so much mileage out of that button. Yes. All right. But but Madison is 1A. Yes. 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 He is the driving force for really crafting. Now, whether that is by design, where they all get together and say, all right, you know, James, Jimmy, (laughs) Jimmy, Jimmy, you take the lead on this. Get the quill pin out, brother. And, you know, George, Georgie will, will uh, kind of keep a guiding hand over, because he was the president of the convention, the Constitutional right. Convention, which was no small symbolic thing. Right. I mean, that itself. was on purpose, on yes. purpose. And on he purpose. showed up in uniform on purpose. Yep. But at the same time, he didn't really push one way or the other. Right. Kind of let him figure it out. But he was that, I think he was that symbol of, look, this guy says it needs to be done. Yeah, maybe we ought to do this. Yeah, yeah, because you know he was the symbol of the union that had brought them to the table anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I think that that and, and it was a visual. He's a legitimate war hero. V- v- visual reminder of we wouldn't even be here if it weren't for him and what yeah. he did. So that's yeah. he, and, he, and he again, carries that, a lot of weight. Yeah, that imprint of civilian government is is the top level. Well, well yeah, also, because the military by his definition he was the military but now he's a civilian and yet he's you know And he and he refused and he, power. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. That the, gives him a lot of oh, yeah. gravitas. Right. Yeah, I mean 1783 84 I mean if he just said all right I'll I'll do it. I'll be the boss. They would have let him. Yeah, yeah. They, if he they, wanted it he could have had it even though they were rebelling against a king. Him they would have given it to. They they would have they would have let him come up with a structure the way France eventually would let Napoleon, the first consul, you know, yeah. that kind of yeah. thing. They, they would have let him, yeah. and he yeah. refused yeah. it. Yeah, wisely so, uh, beyond beyond any normal yeah. So I human think our, being. our lesson from this episode especially is school kids, when they tell you in school that these guys were jerks, don't listen. That's right. Yeah. They were incredible. They, Start with Washington, study him, study Franklin, study Madison, study Hamilton. Adams. Adams, uh, Jefferson. They were amazing. What they did was unprecedented then, and it is still unprecedented. Unlike any group of statesmen throughout history. Right. I cannot think of any period in history where a similar group of men could have come together to accomplish what they did. And have it last. Or, well, I mean, even just whether it lasts or not. The, to come, the to come abilities, up with that. The, the, the ability to translate these pie-in-the-sky philosophies into a practical working document mm-hmm. to govern a nation that they fully thought was going to be a big deal. Yeah. I mean, people could have oh, well, this, you know, they were just a bunch of farmers. No, they were, they knew the future would change. They knew technology would advance. They knew that this continent would host a nation that would be enormous. And they set out a document that could govern a nation of 330 million people, and we could get along if we wanted to. Ah, now isn't that the key? Yes. Because so few people want to get along anymore. And honestly, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, that consent of the governed. You know, it's it. it par, a good portion of that is the willingness to get along with your neighbor, even when you think he's a jerk. Yep. Or for your neighbor to get along with you when you are definitely a jerk. You know, it is. We are. We are. We are closer. I think to to that dissolution 
than any time except the Civil War, yeah. just because of that. Very disappointing. It is. It is very. I mean, I'm not saying we're like on the precipice or anything like that, but it. You could. I could easily see a path where things could start going wrong in such a way that the whole thing is done. There's too many people willing to throw away the legacy. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Yes. The legacy of the greatest, most enduring nation with the best system of government ever conceived. And there's a lot of people willing to just pour it in the toilet. Yep. And almost all for a a narcissistic hero worship of one figure or, or another. I'm not talking about any, any particular yeah, one. Uh, I don't uh, mean uh, Trump. I don't mean Biden or Obama. I mean any, I mean, any of, of them, kinds, all yeah, of them. For all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Just goofy ones. So. Yeah. Ideology has trumped. Well, and uh, this is the danger of group identity. Yes. Yes. This is, this is why group identity is, is such a flawed thing. This is where it leads. Yes. The only group identity that the, the framers had to deal with was geographic is Virginians versus North Carolinians and South Carolinians and New Yorkers and Pennsylvanians. That was the only identity. I know there's some religious identity too, but that was subsumed into the, to the geographic. Now, granted, they were all a bunch of white guys. So, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of ethnic difference, but still. Yeah. So this has been well, so, yeah. a very illuminating episode. It has been fun. Very well, well done. They always are. Yeah. And with uh, incredible uh, audio uh, uh, panache, panache, word boner. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, some excellence in the in the audio. So, Francis, any last things before we talk about what's next, man? Let's let's go with what's next. We're already over overboard anyway uh, on time. That's uh, okay. Long form has really taken over podcast anyway. Well, we are definitely getting into long form. I'm now. grateful for that because we'd be screwed if it wasn't. That's for sure. Uh, but no, we're so going to. What go- you're saying is we don't know how to shut the hell up. Oh, absolutely. I don't well, you know, think some of the most fun ones that. are like that. Yeah. Although there are some that start out really good, and they by the time you get it to, you know about 30 minutes into it, you realize okay, they have no idea where they're going with this, and now it's just pointless because a lot of pa- podcasts i listen to 30 to 45 minutes into an hour and a half two hour episode it's like uh, well two hours i almost never listen to yeah it's like screw it these guys have lost it whereas yeah. hopefully we do not yeah. i would like to think so yes i mean it may be a pointless discussion but it is about eternal questions gentlemen excellent sir that's right. that's excellent. i would like to think so yes and we're going to continue that discussion next time as we always do uh, we're going to go back to code of honor and we're going to find out what some of these great thinkers in our history have had to say about all sorts of cool things we're not going to we're not putting a, a particular bent on this one it's just going to be free form as we often do oh, we're we're not doing well, you want to government yeah, we, I thought we were doing government. We were doing, oh, yeah. well, then yes, that's yes. what I researched was it's quotes about well, We definitely government. are, yes, yes because yes. Uh, uh, quotations about good government. So we're going to kind of kind of continue that thread with grunts. And just as a little tease to everybody, we've got a big announcement. More big news. More big news. As if the new equipment and the new system wasn't big enough, we've got even more good news that we'll share with you at the end of the next episode. So make sure that you're here. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next time.